Hi everybody, welcome back to the Babbling Bearded Biker podcast. Thanks again for tuning in, and here comes this episode. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about something that I'm very passionate about, and I've had a little bit of training in, and that is domestic abuse. Now, notice I say domestic abuse, not domestic violence, as it used to be, because now domestic abuse covers all. So just a bit of background to why I can talk about this. So I just want to say I've never been in a domestic abuse relationship. Um, I've not experienced it personally, but um, I was approached a few years ago with work. A new course was coming up, um, something called a domestic abuse champion, which I thought, oh, I'll go for that, see how it is. And you know what? I haven't looked back. So, so what is domestic abuse? So the main the main thing is people still think of domestic abuse as being hit by the other half. That's that's all domestic abuse is. It isn't. Um, before we cover that, I'm just going to do some facts and figures. So between March 2019 and March 2020, 1.6 million and 757,000 men experienced domestic abuse of some description in that year. And also with the um, COVID lockdown, between April and June 2020, there was a 65% rise in calls to the National Domestic Abuse Helpline. So, I mean, that's astronomical, 65% of the calls in a couple of months. It's just mind-boggling. So each year, more than 100,000 people in the UK, men and women, are classed as high risk and imminent risk of being murdered by their partner. Um, seven women a month are killed by current or former partners. 60% of children living with domestic abuse are directly harmed. And also you've got the psychological harm on top of that. Um, on average, victims of high risk or of serious harm or murder live with domestic abuse for two or three years before they get help. And in my professional professional I'm gonna have to proper go for this professional experience um i've known people to be longer um staying with the abuser before they get help so 85 percent of victims sought help at least five times from professionals before they actually got help and it normally takes about seven attempts on average for the victim to leave the abuser and there's a whole range of reasons for that which i'll go into later so so what are the types of abuse i mean there's, there's loads of different types which, which some of them are quite i don't want to say popular but most people know them um i mean the physical violence uh, everybody knows physical violence you've also got control and coercion which is where your partner tells you what to wear what to do who to see who you can see who you can't see that's control and coercion and that only recently was made a crime. Um, you've got emotional, psychological abuse, where your partner keeps putting you down. You've got sexual violence, which is your sexual assaults, your rapes, your unwanted contact. Um, you've also got online abuse, image-based, image-based abuse, and revenge porn. You've got rape myths and victim blaming. You've got stalking, you've got financial research. There's loads and loads of types which we need to keep an eye out for. So, so why don't people report it? I mean, it's easy to say when you're not in a relationship, I'll just report to the police. But, I mean, you've got cultural reasons. You know, some 
some people in the UK come from different cultures where, say, example, a male abuser and the male is the head of the household and he cannot do no wrong. Um, you've got the LGBT plus community as well. They don't want they don't want to be seen um, to be in a DA relationship. You've got the traveller community, which is a huge, completely different kettle of fish um, to what we deal with nor- normally when it comes to domestic abuse. You've got the the shame, embarrassment of of being in a DA relationship. Now, this one is more so when the male is being abused. Um, you've got broken down mentally by the partner, which again comes under coerced control. Um, isolated, quite a few DA victims have moved away from families and friends, um, and you know they're they're cut out from from their support network, so to say, um, not realizing there's an issue. Some people don't realize they're in a DA relationship, especially if that relationship's been going on for quite a while. Um, for years and years and years, especially from when they were young, they just think it's normal. You've also got they're worried about the reaction of from their friends or family or community. That goes straight back to the cultural reasons, to the traveller community, to the LGBT plus. So, what what can you do as a person when you feel your friend or your work colleague or someone even from your family is in a DA relationship? The one thing that I've found is that all these victims, because they are victims, one is someone to say, is everything okay at home? Are you safe? Are you in some trouble at home? That, and that could open floodgates. But you need to know what to do with that information. I mean, if you just if they disclose something like that to you and you just go out, just, you'll be all right, just ignore them, or oh, they've just had a bad day. No, you need to actually educate yourself what to do in that situation when someone does disclose that this is happening in their home. Sometimes just being there and letting the person know that you are there um, for them to talk to is a, a huge help for these people who've been going through this for God knows how long. So, I mean, there is certain risky times in the relationships um, football matches is a huge, huge jump. So in the European Cup 2020, there's a 5% increase, which equates to 400 cases of domestic abuse in Euro 2020. And 90% of that were women and 10% were men. Um, then that's national and lo- local and international ones. I mean, the Euro is just a, a reference, but obviously football goes all ways. Um, you've got the abuser who's been released from preg- from um, from prison, sorry, and you know imminent release. Potentially, the abuser could come back for round two, three, four, five, six, seven, whatever, and they could be harboring this anger and this rage inside. Um, obviously, that's quite risky. Then you've got pregnancy. Um, they do say that with with pregnancy, um, the abuser is jealous of the child, so they will do anything to put the focus back on them and doing things to potentially harm the child or harm the mother. Now, being a father myself, I've got three beautiful daughters and a husband, I've got a beautiful wife, I can't imagine 
ever thinking how that could happen. I, I put myself in their shoes and I just can't understand how anybody could do this, especially when the woman's pregnant. I mean, that's just crazy. Um, moving on. <laughs> so you've got uh, the COVID lockdown in 2020. That was that was hard um, on domestic abuse. Um, like I said previously, between April and June 2020, there was a 65% increase in calls to the National Domestic Abuse Helpline um, because the victims were stuck inside with the perpetrators, especially if the perpetrator had been furloughed. They couldn't get out. They couldn't go see their friends. They couldn't make mysterious shopping trips just to get away. Um, I mean, that that's just crazy, 65%. Um, you've also got the victim leaving abuse, and that is the most dangerous time in a DA relationship. That's why we try to make sure that these victims actually have an escape plan Um, a safety net, if you will, to actually get out and get somewhere safe where the abuser won't follow them or won't know where they are, i.e. a refuge or a trusted friend's house. There is something, uh, moving on, there is something we use called the Duluth Wheel, as in America Duluth. Um, It's on Google. It's really, really good, and it just shows every single bit. Now, in my professional experience, I've found most of the abusers use this as a playbook. It's quite scary that about 95% of the people that I have spoken to about this, and when I do the referral interviews to send off all their paperwork to relevant, relevant bodies, every single one They've been like, oh yeah, that's right. That he does that, she does that, they do that, he do that, and it's it, you can find it on Google. Um, it's spelt Duluth, so Delta Uniform Lima Uniform Tango Hotel Wheel, as in wheel, um, and it's all around power control. So you've got intimidation, emotional abuse, isolation, minimalizing, denying, and blaming, where the victim blames himself. Go, oh, no, 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 didn't hit me as hard as he normally does. Um, using children and pets as weapons, using privilege. Now, that's a big one. So you've got, quite frankly, male privilege. Um, me, man, you, woman, who's going to believe you? Or you can flip it on its head. You know, you're a big man. You can take a hit, you know. Um, economic abuse, money, obviously. Coercion threats. Um, and that, again, goes back to psychological, um, psychological abuse. Now, the threats don't need to be verbal. Now, um, I'm sure this lady won't mind me sharing the story. Um, she's quite big in the domestic abuse survivors um, circles. So she came into my department many, many, many years ago, um, back when domestic abuse wasn't really known or wasn't really acknowledged. Um, and she'd been beaten up by a partner who had come in with her. And he was on one side of the curtain, she was on the other. And somebody, I don't know, doctor, nurse, she didn't say, um, said, oh, it looks like you've got a boot mark in your stomach. And he heard it. And all she heard was little <clears throat> behind the curtain. She knew that was it. And she did. She, she went home um, after, obviously, being to the hospital. And um, she got beaten. So it doesn't have to be verbal. And she said, sometimes he'd just look at me in a certain way, and that, that would be it. And 
that's and that was her life unfortunately but i do um i do want to say this this woman is an absolutely amazing woman she is a da survivor she runs a charity shop and a charity around domestic abuse and she's helping me quite a bit with my work stuff and she's absolutely amazing um so moving on from there you've got something called a cycle of abuse um so it starts tensions build the perpetrator gets angry or starts nitpicking almost um breakdowns communication the victim becomes scared and fit does anything anything to keep things happy um even sexually um then you move on to the incident and that's when things happen um you know physical abuse emotional abuse and it happens and then it kind of goes a bit of a circle because then you get a a reconciliation where the abuser will say they're really sorry i don't mean to do it you know how i get when i get angry blah 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 never do it again i'm so sorry i lost control and it's all bullshit Um, then you've got the calm after the storm which go which you know everyone's happy normal, loving, healthy relationship. And then you start going back to the tension again and any incident, then da-da-da-da-da. And it just goes around in that circle and that's what happens. That Again, when I show this to the DA victims who I've worked with, they all say, yeah, that's exactly how it works. Exactly how it works. So why do they stay? If you're in that sort of situation, why do people stay? And it's a lot more complex than people think. I've I've spoken to quite a few of my colleagues, and one of the first things out of their mouth is, well, why don't you just leave? Not that easy. So these people, these victims, have been potentially moved away from their support network. And they've got a lack of outside support because all they've got is the perpetrator. That And that's it. Nobody else. They've got no friends. They've got no family nearby. Sometimes they don't even have a phone on them because the perpetrator has that. So there's absolutely no support. They don't know where to turn. Um, They've been broken down by the partner. I mean, if you're told every single day that nobody will believe you, nobody will love you, you're fat, you're ugly, you're this, you're that, you're too skinny, you, you just get emotionally broken down to a point where anything is better than nothing, or so you feel. Um, I mean, financially dependent on a partner, partner could have control of the money, um, and they have no cards, no nothing. No, you know, they have no freedom, almost. Well, it is, it's no freedom. I mean, cultural issues as well, seen as shameful for leaving your partner. There's still some cultures who practice that. If you divorce, it's still classed as shameful, no matter whether your partner's been beaten, you're black and blue, it's still seen as shameful that you're actually leaving for your own safety and your kids' safety. Um, and again, fear of the unknown. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen when these people leave this relationship? You know, they're going to be potentially homeless, on their own, no money, no food, no heating, they're going to be on the streets. And that that is the unknown because they do not know what's going to happen. Um, you've got the fear of violence, which unfortunately very well documented. 
that the most dangerous time, like I said before, to leave a duo relationship is when the most dangerous... Let's try that one again. The most dangerous time is when they leave the abuser because they're terrified the abuser's going to follow them. Even, say, even if, just minimising myself there, even if it was emotional abuse, there's still that risk that it could escalate. And that's the thing. There's no such thing as low risk. It's all medium risk because there's always that chance it could escalate and for whatever reason. Um, so they could be have fear that this person is going to hurt them or kill them or kill a family or kill a dog. Pets are quite a big one. Um, and it's not just from the abuse, from others, honour killings. There's an honor, quite a famous honour killing in London a few years ago. Um, and the woman went to the police. And, yeah, that's a different story for a different time. But um, but I think she was murdered by her cousins. Again, going back to the cultural side of it. There's also the old adage of, but I love them. I can change them. No, you can't. No. Not not while you're in that relationship. And then again, you've got, got the isolation of it. So so who are the others? So I mentioned mentioned others. So you've got family members, either yours or theirs. It doesn't matter which one. You've got friends of the abuser who may or may not know what they're doing. Like, oh, I haven't seen Joe Bloggs since yesterday. Can you go look for him? Haven't seen Sarah since yesterday. Can you go look for her? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's, you know, she's a bit, got a bit of depression. She's maybe going a bit mad, having a breakdown. Can just go make sure she's all right, have a look for her. And they could, with all the best intentions, go, oh, there they are. Text the abuse, and the abuse all right. Find them now. Um, you know, and that's, that's difficult because the person who does it doesn't actually know that they're helping a DA abuser, a domestic abuser. Um, you've got the wider community. Yeah, I've said enough about that. On a based abuse. You've got children as well. Now, that's an interesting one, but unfortunately, it is a case that I've seen myself. It's where the child, I'm talking teenage adult child, has taken on the views of the abuser and has been essentially brainwashed by the abuser. So the, if the victim leaves the child well you know say teenager for example will track him down and drag him back because that that is how it is it's narcissism and it's it's manipulating people to get what they want so there's quite a few quite a few things which cause abuse now ultimately a few of these may be I may need to explain a few of these, but ultimately it comes down to power and control. That is what the abuser wants. The abuser wants to control the victim in everything they do and have complete power over the victim to the point of not letting them have a phone, not letting them have money. You know, so they control this person. Now, I've heard crap that it's an anger management issue. It's not an anger management issue. Because you can be face-to-face with a domestic abuser. It could be your friend. It could be your partner's friend. It could be some, you know, it could be part of someone from your family. And you wouldn't know 
because they control their anger to the point where they are absolutely lovely in person, but in private with the victim, all bets are off. And that that's not anger issues, that's anger control. That They will control that as best as they can because they won't do anything in the street, they won't do anything in public. It will be behind closed doors, very, very meticulous and controlled. So so that is basically an umbrella, is the power and control. Um, pornography. Porn. I mean, if you go on the internet, you can find porn on any single genre. Anything that you're on, a quick Google search, it'll be there. I know quite a few of it, so I've heard. Um, you know, it can be quite abusive, and it brings in especially with the younger kids. I mean, everyone, all, all kids got a phone. My 10-year-old's my got a phone now. Yeah, we do monitor it, don't worry. Um, but a, a quick Google search, and it, it sort of brainwashes them, gets into the mind, think, oh, that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to be. Um, fortunately, there's nothing you could do about that. Um, cultural factors, it's, you know, it's right, especially, I mean, even even in the UK, back in the 50s, it was normal to get for the man to give the wife a bit of a bit of a beating if she didn't do what she was told or she was away from the sink for too long. That was back in the fifties, so it wasn't actually that long ago. Um and then you've got other other cultural areas as well. Um Tommy I can't think of any areas which are still like that, but I know certain parts of America is there is still that mindset. I think I think more more the Bible Belt of America, it's still me, man, you, woman, um, which again is cultural. Now you've got the male female privilege. Now I've tried to keep this um, this talk as gender free as I can um, because I'm I'm very well aware that there is female on male and male on male abuse. I'm very well aware of that. I've had no had no professional experience of it yet but no doubt I will do at some point and you, you've got the privilege that comes with it um, like I glazed over earlier so you've got me man you woman but you've also got I'm the woman you're the big hard man and you can't even take a slap from me and there is quite a good video online um, BBC3 did it, it's called Beaten Up by My Girlfriend it's about a chap called Alex Skeel Skeel um, who was beaten up by his girlfriend, and he was absolutely mullered. He was nearly killed. Um, and he finally got into training and got into help um, from a very alert police officer, thankfully. Um, the consultant said to him, you were 10 days before you were dead. And it's really good, really good documentary, but it's also very harrowing and very... Horrible to watch, absolutely horrible, especially the interviews with the domestic abuser. She's like, Yeah, I just stabbed him. Yeah, not as much as I normally do. Yeah, then I then I burnt him with boiling water. Honestly, beaten up by my girlfriend on BBC three, it's amazing. Um, so that's you know, both sides of it there. Uh poverty. Now poverty's not a cause, but it doesn't help. Um it potentially makes things worse. But you need to actually have it in a relationship before that happens. Um, alcohol and drugs doesn't cause it, 
makes it worse. And um, social standing. Now, that's an interesting one. So there was a case up in North Norfolk quite a few years ago. And the woman um, shot the husband. Now, the husband was an MP, if memory serves. My mistake, I got it the wrong way around. So the man, the abuser, shot his wife. Um, He was an ex-mayor of... um, He was an ex-mayor of Cromer, I believe, in Norfolk. Um, And then he shot himself. So, and he'd laid out a will and all sorts. Um, So, she'd been in a DA relationship with this man, but because of his social standing, nobody would believe her. And nobody did believe her, unfortunately. And everybody thought it was a murder-suicide. And then they found a book, I think, under under her pillow in the spare room. And it just detailed every little thing what had happened. And that, you know, that and his social standing meant no one would listen. Now, that's, that's not what caused the abuse, but the perpetrator being in a high social standing would have allowed it to carry on. So, there is a few laws in place at the minute. Um, uh, Claire's Law, which some people have heard of, which is the right to know and the right to ask. Um, which means if someone is concerned that their partner is a domestic abuser, they have the right to ask the police. And, and on the flip side, the police may go to potential potential DA victims if the partner has been in, in trouble for abusing a partner in the past um, and tell them so. Unfortunately, that didn't happen um, with a young lady who was killed a few years ago in Norwich, uh, Kerry McClaus- McClaskey, I think her name was. Um, the abuser had a massive, massive long list of convictions and unfortunately it didn't, didn't go through and she lost her life and left two kids behind and a lot of lessons were learned. Um, you've got Domestic Abuse Act 2021, which came in last year, Human Rights Act and... Section 76 of the Serious Crime Act 2015, which covers control and coercion, which is what I spoke about earlier. Um, I believe that's six months in jail um, from there. So that's a little bit about domestic abuse. Um, I mean, I've seen some DA stuff, which I, I have had to stop. And once finished the interview, sort of all the paperwork and the patient out, to go and have five ten minutes because it is quite hard hitting stuff. So, if anybody identifies with what I've said and think, oh, actually, this sounds like my relationship, or it sounds like John's relationship or Sarah's relationship, I'm most of the people listening to this know me. Send me a message on Facebook. Um, send a message to the page, the podcast page. I'm quite happy to answer any questions or point in the right direction or anything like that. I am hoping to maybe do an interview with a DA survivor in the near future, but let's just see how this podcast fares out first. I'm on episode four and I'm still enjoying it, so happy days. So look after yourselves. Thanks a lot.
Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening to me babble on. Your comments are all welcome, and I appreciate you listening to me. Look after yourselves.